Hello, and welcome to this extra inning of The Ballpark, a podcast from the Phelan U.S. Center here at the London School of Economics. I'm Chris Gilson, Managing Editor of the Phelan U.S. Center's blog on U.S. politics and policy, USAC. For this extra inning of The Ballpark, I spoke to James Morrison, who is an Associate Professor in the Department of International Relations at LSE. Since it began in 2017, Professor Morrison has been a faculty lead each year in our Undergraduate Research Assistantship Program. The Undergraduate Research Assistantship Program encourages U.S.-related interdisciplinary research collaborations between academics and undergraduate students at LSE. Collaborating over the course of an academic year, undergraduate students are paired with academics who need help in collecting or processing new data, gathering archival resources, writing up a blog article, conducting library searches, and lots more. In June 2022, Professor Morrison joined us to talk about his experiences with the U.S. Center's Undergraduate Research Assistantship Program. You've been a faculty lead in our Undergraduate Research Assistantship Program every year since its inception five years ago. Can you say a little bit about your experiences with the program over that time? Sure. It's a really wonderful opportunity to work with students uh, in a research-led way. And it's great to get them involved in the research. It's immensely helpful to me to have them involved in the research in in all kinds of ways. Probably the the best thing to do, Chris, is to say a little bit about the kinds of activities that they get up to. So my research is about more or less the history of Anglo-American financial relations and the global economic order. And a lot of my work is deeply archival. Insofar as we're trying to organize, manage information, the students have been really helpful in these regards. So I will go to archives and I will take thousands of photographs of documents. I'll get the entire collection of a particular uh, uh, folio of documents and then have to try to make sense of them. Sometimes these things are organized. Often they're not. They're from different years, different decades, correspondence, shopping lists, memoranda, Letters home, all kinds of things we often find. And just trying to wade through all of this and to pick out the the real gems, the important bits, is is key. But there's so much of it. And by working with the students, we're able to work together to take a sort of first pass organization. Let's organize these things by date. So if we're talking about specific events, 1925 or the Anglo-American Sterling Loan in 1917, at least we can get all the stuff related to that from across these thousands of documents. But there's even more to it than that, of course, because I need help trying to read all the stuff and get a sense of what's really worth the second pass, a more intense, more careful look. And so one of the things I have the students do is help me take these piles of documents, figurative piles, all this digital photographs on my, on my computer, and impose some semblance of organization on it. And the students, I think, really like doing that because it gives them a chance to read the stuff. And it's very much an activity in which they're using their brains because they are helping me understand what's going on and teaching me a bit about what we have in these collections. So that's one of the key activities. Uh, Another activity that I've had students do is actually read my work in manuscript form and comment on it. Some of this stuff, monetary policy, can be really technical, esoteric, and to some minds, boring. And so having these students, highly motivated, clever students, but undergraduates, read this stuff really helps me remember what it was like to be in their shoes. It helps me see the work through their eyes and thus 
build a better version of the manuscript that is more interesting or more accessible or doesn't take things for granted that perhaps shouldn't be taken for granted. So those are the two big sorts of things that I've had students doing. And every year uh, I've had students come in. I'm always hugely impressed by what they're able to get done, the insights they're able to share, and uh, how much progress we make on the work by working together in this way. Brilliant. Thank you. What would you say has been your favorite aspect of your involvement in the, in the program so far? I think it's two things. And it's really simply kind of research and teaching. So it's really helpful with the research and the acknowledgments of my book and some of my other work. You can see the names of the students who have participated in this and how they've been able to multiply the possibilities of work getting done by, by taking a lot on. And it's just better quality and more extensive research than, than I would be able to produce otherwise. So that's one half of the story. The other half is the teaching aspect. I like having the students see what it means to do the research. You know, in so many of our classes, we assign finished work, polished work, classic work, cutting edge work, but stuff that's been published, stuff that's already been produced. And there's no, no substitute for having students see something at the start and follow it through and see where published work comes from, how the proverbial sausage gets made. And that's a, a kind of teaching opportunity. You can see their eyes open up, their eyes light up as they get in and follow how something goes from a pile of documents to a nicely reasoned, polished piece of prose. Thank you. That's brilliant. You've spoken a little bit about the kind of tasks you've assigned your undergraduate research assistants, but talk a little bit more about the, sort of the practical applications of, of that work. I know your, your book is, is, was informed by a lot of their work as well, but can you talk on, on that a little bit, please? Yeah, so when I designed the tasks for the students, I, I had this notion that we needed to do a couple things. One, I wanted to do something that they could work on in their own pace. I always tell them the first, most important thing is their own schoolwork. They've got to keep up with their classes. I would hate to have somebody get too excited about Winston Churchill or John Maynard Keynes and, and, and do all that and then not do as well in their exams as, as they could do, as they, as they would like to do. So they've got to be able to work at their own pace. And of course, the workload is, the, the sort of timeline is clumpy for students, right? So there are some weeks when they're very busy, maybe they have student organizations or family visiting or they fall ill, and then exam times, crunch times, that kind of thing. So I wanted to kind of have a series of projects that students could do in a kind of clumpy way organized around their other commitments and responsibilities. So that was one thing. That's just kind of a practical thing. But the other thing was I wanted them to be able to really look at the process of research, learn more about the process of research, and be able to walk away with some really practical sorts of skills, basically in information management. And it's not something I think we help the students learn enough about, but I know is in huge demand out there in the quote-unquote real world. So you can imagine, for instance, uh, one of the uh, research assistants goes out into the world to get a job and their boss says, okay, we're thinking about opening up our franchises in Vietnam. And we don't really know what the market conditions are there, uh, are like. We've been doing really well in uh, Thailand. There are going to be some similarities, but you know, Vietnam is obviously a different place. What do we need to know about what's going on in Vietnam so that the widgets that we want to sell there are going to find the best market and whether this is a good opportunity for us. Well, that's actually, in part, in the first instance, a question about information management. You have to go and get the information that's relevant. You have to impose some kind of organization on it. You've got to try to distill some insights and report back to your boss. Now, your boss is going to be the one who's going to take that information and make the you know, executive decisions, perhaps. But it's you going through in the first pass and surfacing, as it were, the key bits that 
the decision maker is going to want and need to make that decision. So my hope is that that's the kind of skill set that students are getting. And talking to some of the alumni from the program, that those are the kinds of things they end up doing. And they tell me they're very nice. So maybe they would say this anyway, but they tell me that the, some of the skills that they're using out in the real world, they learned in the program. So that always makes me very happy as well. And is there anything you would say to undergraduate students or even LSE faculty who might be considering whether or not to take part in the program? Well, I think it's a kind of win, win, win situation that's probably overused, but it's obviously a huge win for me. Uh, it's enjoyable. These, these are some of the best students around. So from a faculty member standpoint, you know, imagine some of your best students in your classes coming and helping you with your research. It's hard to imagine something more useful or, or enjoyable than that. So that's really nice. And from the student side, so I certainly win. And I think the students win because they do get this experience. I mean, they get paid very you know, generously, I think, because of the because of the support that's available. But more than the pay, right, they're also learning skills. They're seeing what this is like. Some of them are considering graduate programs, thinking about doing a master's dissertation, perhaps down the road, maybe even a PhD. Now they know what research really is like because they've been directly involved in it. And yet it's relatively low stakes. It's not as though they're trying to do their own dissertation. It's not as though they're in their master's program now trying to figure out what research is. They see and have the chance to learn about, ask questions about, how research works, how we go, again, from piles of disorganized information to insights. So I think they win as well. And I think it's a really great thing for the U.S. Center and our broader goals because it, we have a little community. I just was talking the other day with one of the other U.S. Center uh, colleagues from a different department who I might not have talked to otherwise, sort of comparing notes about what she's doing with her research assistants and what I'm doing with mine. And so I like that that is another one of the ways in which we're able to cut across the different departments and, and engages a kind of broader community around, around this uh, center and its mission. James Morrison also had some thoughts on how the Undergraduate Research Assistantship Program can help students to better understand and engage with the research process. So there's a kind of metaphor that I sometimes have in mind about this process. So when we do our lectures, we work really hard to make sure that they're nice and polished and delivered in very clean ways. When we assign readings, we're always trying to assign really good quality stuff and so on then the students are consumers in some sense of, one hopes, the very best quality stuff around. And, and the metaphor is maybe thinking about going to a restaurant. They can go to these different restaurants. They can try all these different dishes. Oh, I really like Chinese food or, oh, I really quite fancy French food, whatever it might be. But there's a fundamental difference between being a good consumer, a knowledgeable consumer, an informed consumer, and being a producer. Just because you can try a lot of food and taste a lot of food and you know what you like and so on doesn't mean that you can necessarily prepare it yourself. And so entering into the research process lets you see from the inside, you, you go back into the kitchen with the chefs and you see how they prepare dishes and not just how they prepare them, but how they develop new dishes. Oh, this kind of new dish we're trying to create, it really needs a lot more zest. Let's find some zesty sauces to put into this new dish. And I think that's really valuable because it gives students the chance to see what the production side looks like if they want to become producers themselves. But I think it's valuable even for those who don't become producers, because now they're better, more informed consumers. They'll taste the zestiness of the sauce, and they'll think to themselves, I've seen how chefs come to that conclusion about zesty sauces, and I would like to uh, explore a little more in this restaurant, because I like the way the chef is using his zesty sauces, or her zesty sauces, and so on. Well, thank you so much. That's wonderful. James Morrison is an associate professor in the Department of International Relations at LSE. And that's it for this extra inning of The Ballpark. Thanks to James Morrison for joining us in this episode. 
This extra inning was produced by Chris Gilson and Anderson Tan. To listen to all our previous episodes, just enter LSE Ballpark into your search engine of choice. You'll find us. We're free to listen to, and unlike lots of other podcasts, we're ad-free. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Email us any feedback at uscenter at lse.ac.uk, or you can send us a tweet at lse underscore us, and tell your friends about us. The content and opinions expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of the Failing U.S. Center or the London School of Economics. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.